We're in a series called Following Jesus. Last week, we had an amazing amount of victory, not only through Sonia's testimony of uh, just the Holy Spirit falling in a special way, and Mary Lou as well, but we had three baptisms this morning. Jesus and Brooke, you're here this morning. You came back after being baptized. That's a good mark. But when people get baptized, it is like putting on a soldier's outfit in a war. We can be civilians and casualties of war as civilians, or we can put on the soldier's outfit and be ready for what's going on. Because we live in an absolutely spiritual world, and our spiritual world comes with war. A very evil thing happened in the 1960s. There was a man, uh, there were two girls, there were 19, they were coming home, one girl was dropping off the other. The dad came out and said, hey, come inside. And she said, I'll be right there, dad. And in the moments between that voice and when she was going to come in, a man came up and shot through the car doors, killing her and wounding her friend. That happened six more times in a very evil season. I believe it was in New York City. And the man who shot these women and shot others was so bold to write into the newspapers. He was trying to articulate to the public what was going on. And he said to them, there was a demon. His name is Sam, and he's telling me to do these things. So as murder happened after murder happened after murder up to six times, the news started calling him the son of Sam. That's where this terminology comes from, if you've ever heard that term before. Having to do with the demonic happening. and The son of Sam, his name was David Berkowitz. And David was finally captured, brought to trial, and sentenced to 364 years in jail without parole. Absolutely blinded by the darkness in his life. He would say during his testimony in court that from an early age, he knew that Satan was after him. He started reading the book of the satanic cult. He started indulging in different kind of evil activities. And one after the other after the other, it finally led to him becoming a murderer. And not just a murderer, he said that he hurt so many other people. He was willing to testify that and blame it on this demon Sam in his life who would speak to him personally. That may seem maybe too distant from you, but there was another woman. Her name was Janice. And as she grew up, she would testify to being violated over and over and over again by a demon in her bed. And she grew up that way until one day she was prayed for and delivered by this demon. She would feel horrible about herself. It was through no power of her own, but she would just feel disgusting until she was finally released. When we talk about a spiritual war and putting on the armor of God and and talking about entering into this spiritual war as soldiers and not just civilians, we have to recognize that there is an opponent in this world. We are learning today about what it really means to follow Jesus. And if we're going to do that, we have to recognize when Jesus confronts demons and how to do it. 
Today, I want to lead us through what that really means. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, we give no glory to the demonic realm because in the name of Jesus, your name has power over everything. And so as we talk about this evil realm, we also recognize that its power has been destroyed. The curse is broken by your cross and by your blood and has no authority over us in this room or going out from this room. We bless you, Lord Jesus, Lord of all. Amen. Let's go into Mark chapter 5, verse 1. This is after what Sonia was describing as Jesus falling asleep in the midst of a storm with the disciples and rebuking them and rebuking the storm and encouraging them to faith. They finally land in what I would call Gentile territory. There's Jews and there's Gentiles. There's two classes at the time. And crossing the Sea of Galilee, they entered into Gentile territory. These are people that did not worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were not Jews. They might have been Samaritans, but most likely they were pagans. They worshiped other gods. They made sacrifices, blood sacrifices even, to other cults and deities. And it didn't really matter because they saw power in them. And so they submitted to them. So when Jesus hits the scene... He's carrying with him an authority of the kingdom into a territory that shouldn't be received by the kingdom of God. Because only Jews are supposed to receive that, right? Jesus crossing Galilee through a storm says to the Gentiles, the kingdom is for you. I want you to hear that this morning. If you feel like you've come as an outsider to faith, the kingdom is for you. Jesus would cross through storms for you. He died for you. He loves you. And he loves this man that he faces as he crosses. This is Mark chapter 5. So they came over the sea to the land of the, uh, here we go. I'm a pastor. I don't know how to say this word well. Gerasenes. When they got out of the boat, Gerasenes, you Americans, you're fine. Um, I'm a Mediterranean guy. It's Gerasenes. In any case, When they got out of the boat, they were suddenly confronted by a man with an unclean spirit. I want you to hear that. This word unclean has many connotations, but it's certainly not the Holy Spirit. He was emerging from a graveyard, which was where he lived. Nobody had been able to tie him up, not even with a chain. I want you to read something here. There is power in the satanic realm. When people are taken by demons or when they enter into the spiritual realm, there is actual power there. The power comes with a curse. So when he can't be bound by chains, it's because he's been infused by a spiritual power. He has given himself over to power, but that power has come with a curse. And this is the difference between the unclean spirits of this world and the Holy Spirit of God. When the Holy Spirit comes, there's no curse that comes with it, only blessing. He was emerging from the graveyard, which is where he lived. Nobody had been able to tie him up, not even with a chain. He had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he used to tear up the chains and snap the shackles. No one could tame him. On and on, night and day, he used to shout in the graveyard in the hillside and slash himself with stones. Does this sound like the blessed life? Does it sound like everybody can play Holy Spirit life? 
No, this man is trapped. This man is trapped, and when he saw Jesus a long way away, he ran. He ran and threw himself down in front of him. Why you and me, Jesus? Why you and me, Jesus? He shouted at the top of his voice. Why you and me, son of the high God? By God, stop torturing me. He's shouting this out as Jesus faces him and says, unclean spirit, come out of him. So there is a battle going on between the very voice of Jesus and the curse that has come upon this man. He has been trapped by spiritual, evil, unclean spirits. And now those spirits, along with this man's spirits, we have to discern. I don't know who's speaking at this point. But Jesus is saying, come out. And when he does, the refrain back from the demons and the man is, why? Why you and me? Why? I don't know if you've ever felt that way, that sense of tension boiling over because of the suffering and the trapping that you feel yourself. Those of you who have been stuck in addiction, those of you who have been ashamed of your behavior in the past, and Jesus comes to you and you face what's going on internally, the demonic realm and the human realm and all that's caused you to suffer. And you say, why? And Jesus says, unclean spirit, come out. And finally, Jesus says, what's your name? I want to encourage you at this point. If you ever face demons of any kind and you're praying for those unclean spirits to come out of somebody, we have the authority to ask the names of the demons, but please don't be led as that is the priority. Ask Jesus to figure out what's going on. Let Jesus deal with the demons. In the name close to Jesus and let him deal with the demons. Command them to come out. In the name of Jesus, but don't When we, there's a turning that happens in our human hearts, a kind of pride that allows us to start thinking that we can entertain dealing with evil spirits and unclean spirits all on our own. Don't fall into the trap. This is where uh, when people fall into the trap of being trapped by unclean spirits, it's because of that pride at the beginning. I can deal with the spiritual realm on my own. That's the beginning. I don't have to go with Jesus. That's the beginning. And when we're facing demons and casting them out, don't fall into the trap of doing that again. And Jesus says, what's your name? And the demons reply, legion, for there are lots of us. And he implored Jesus not to send this legion of demons out into the country, out of the country. They wanted to stay with the Gentiles. It so happened that right there near the hillside was a sizable herd of pigs, and they were grazing. So you know this is Gentile territory because the Jews would have never had pigs. And the legion of demons said, send us to the pigs so that we can enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The unclean spirits came out, went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep slope of the sea, about 2,000 of them. 2,000 pigs, could you imagine? And they were drowned. 
And the herdsmen of these pigs fled. Could you imagine? They told it in the town. They told it in the countryside. And people came to see what had happened. They came to Jesus and he wasn't bound up anymore. He was seated, clothed, and stone cold sober is what N.T. Wright calls it. He does a direct translation of the Greek, and he says, this man was stone cold sober. And the Gentiles were afraid. The people who had seen it all told them what had happened to the man and to the pigs, and they began to beg Jesus to leave their district. Could you imagine seeing this kind of power free this man that was so trapped? This is the reality of the kingdom of God today. This freedom, this power that shocks cities is the power that we have access to today. And they began to beg Jesus to leave because they were so frightened by it. Jesus was getting back into the boat when the man himself, could you imagine this freed man, so wonderfully gentle, so wonderfully and joyfully free, he says, let me go with you. And Jesus wouldn't let him. And he gives him a mission. He says, go back home. Go to your people and tell them what the Lord has done for you. Raise your hand if Jesus has done something for you. Raise your hand if Jesus has set you free. Friends, go back home and tell your people what the Lord has done for you. Tell them how we had pity on you. That's what he tells this man. And so he went off. And he began to announce to the ten towns around where Jesus had landed what Jesus had done for him. And everyone was astonished. You know why? Because it's the first time that this generation had ever seen kingdoms clashing in the spiritual realm. Kingdoms clashing. The kingdom of God was insulated to the temple. It was insulated to a certain locale. It had never been released to free people who didn't come to the temple before. This is what happens when Jesus is on the scene. This is the very live and dynamic rule and reign of God at work. But it's clashing. Because of Christ's coming, something fundamentally different has happened in this world. God's rule has broken in. God, the king, reclaiming the world for himself, even this man who is trapped, even you and me. Right now, because the coming of Jesus Christ, we can experience forgiveness. We can experience the presence of the Holy Spirit. We can experience gifts of the Holy Spirit through our lives. And because we have those gifts, guess what? Everyone gets to play. All of a sudden, your identity is not in your super-duper beautiful ability to whatever you have pride in. Those are great things. But with the Holy Spirit, God gives you part in the body of Christ where the whole body gets to benefit. Your identity is in him and his ability, and we surrender everything else before him. We get to experience the Holy Spirit through our lives. Prophecy, wisdom, healing, discernment, tongues, all of it comes because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Giving us the ability to be freed from the bondage of sin. Letting go of the, right that, of, uh, the way that we're perceived. 
And still we live in a corrupt world that's dominated by the presence of supernatural evil. Because the world is not completely dominated yet. A fundamental principle of the life that every Christian has to learn, that every Christian will experience over and over again, that I know that our baptizees experienced this past week. Fundamental principle of life is the principle of attack and counterattack that results from spiritual warfare. Let me read that again. A fundamental principle of life that every Christian has to learn, that every Christian will experience over and over again, is the principle of attack and counterattack that results from spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is real. It happened to everybody in the Bible. Even kings experience the spiritual warfare. But the Holy Spirit empowers us to do amazing things when we're saved by Jesus Christ from evil spirits. There was a young girl in the book of Acts, and uh, this man Paul comes upon her, and uh, she has been enslaved by spirits. At some point, she wanted some insight into the future realm. She goes to the temple of the Python. And the temple of the Python was known as a place where you could find um, future-seeking knowledge to see the future. Again, I said that there's, there's power in the evil realm, but it comes with a curse, and she was cursed. This is Acts 16, 16. One day, as they were going down to the place of prayer, they met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell a future. She earned a lot of money for her master. She was literally enslaved by other people because of this evil spirit inside of her. She followed Paul and the rest of the, uh, the, us. This is Luke writing as he's with Paul. And he says, these men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. The demon was, and they're trying to discern here what's going on. Is this, is this woman telling the truth for them, or, or is this demon trying to to kind of curse them, like to tell them off. And it went on day after day, and it got really annoying until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. When that happened, they were immediately arrested, punished, and thrown out of town. There was a spiritual backlash this is a fundamental principle of what happens in the kingdom. When the enemy, when these gates fall down, he looks for other gates to harass. When you surrender part of your life, he'll attack another. Despite the dawning of the age of the kingdom, this world continues to be subject to our greatest enemy, namely death. And we see manifestations of the, of the present evil age. Terrorism, violence, family breakdowns, marriage breakdowns, racial and religious discrimination, betrayal, perversion, selfishness, brokenness, all kinds of brokenness. There's a conflict between our two ages. The age of the kingdom of Jesus that's ruling and reigning and freeing people and these powers of the present evil age. Every time you see a forward movement, God's rule is extended in that situation, in a person's life, in your family. But then there's opposition from a counterattack. What's going on? Why did something bad happen, you wonder? Did the devil make it happen? 
Well, we have to discern. And this past week in small group, my small group members will tell you that I was trying to discern how to deal with my own attacks. In the morning when I wake up, I often feel assaulted by accusation. Oh, John, why'd you say that during your sermon? Oh, John, why'd you say that to that person? They were so stupid. Oh, John, you know, it's your fault that this happened. And the Holy Spirit, through my small group and discerning with the Holy Spirit, helped me understand that that was actually something that I could battle in the power of Jesus. This was actually a spiritual attack. <laughs> See, when the Holy Spirit comes, he doesn't bring accusation. He brings freedom. So this morning, I woke up with a ton of accusation, feeling like I'm at fault for the world's ills. And for the first moment, I was able to say, no, I stop you right now in the name of Jesus, Satan. I'm free from that. You have no right over my life, and that's a lie, and you're lying to me right now. We surrender. We receive the good news of Jesus. Even so, I, I won't be surprised if I get sidetracked again, and you shouldn't either. Maybe an old boyfriend shows up. Maybe you get laid off from work, or your mother suddenly gets sick, or... Uh, maybe you make a choice to pray and you feel led by the Holy Spirit to do a certain thing or a particular move. And every time you try to obey and the kingdom of God manifests itself, darkness pushes you back just a little bit. We wonder, like we've gained so much freedom from Jesus, but what's going on? Well, the difference is we understand we can, we can go on the practice field all we want. We can have personal quiet times. We can go to small group. We can go to church on Sunday. But when we enter into the world, we recognize there's another team on the field. That's what happened with Paul. And he was thrown out of the city. I wish that there was just a steady movement down the field of victory in my life. In our church, in my family. The Christian life is not a practice game or a pretend game or a pretend war. There's real opposition to the spread of the kingdom of God. There's a real war going on at your job, in your home, with your friends, with your kids, in this church, in your small group, regarding your health, regarding your finances, regarding your choices in every area of life. Every time the kingdom of God moves forward, there will be a counterattack. Life is hard, but we are living in a war zone. And unfortunately, we have no choice but to understand that if only we could say, oh, I'm not in this war. I don't want any part of it. Except every single breathing earthling is part of it. So we might as well decide to get involved, to get filled by the Holy Spirit, because we are powerless against the demonic realm without a Savior. We are powerless against the onslaught of the other team except for the power of Jesus. There may be an area of your life where you feel totally out of control, You may still be holding on to primitive, superstitious, pre-scientific. You're, you're kind of cursing the spiritual realm with your, your Western thoughts. Cursing those worldviews. There's a great deal of evil and brokenness that simply arises from our own sinful natures. There's personal sin. We give over regularly to temptation. And then some of us are afflicted. Some of us are tormented, devoured, demonized. Maybe some of us have taken on an evil spirit, working in cooperation with our sin nature. 
Sometimes we just become anti-God or anti-Christ and our pride raises up and we just submit to our own. Throw out the trash. This is what Paul would say. If you want to be free, if you want to keep yourself from this kind of evil, I want you to hear from Ephesians 4.17 as I close. With the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they're hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from life the life that God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you've learned about Christ. Since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him. Mission Vineyard Church, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life. Get rid of the trash in your house, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on the new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we're all parts of the same body. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful and repent when you step in the wrong place. Turn away. God will forgive you and free you. Don't let it fester. Don't let demons take more and more control in those areas. Remember, God has identified you as his own and he's guaranteed you that you will be saved. Let's step into this confidence and throw off our old garbage. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Imitate God. Everybody gets to play. In everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. It may be that you have been assaulted in your life and that wound of the assault the demons have just entrapped you in. It's time to surrender it and get free. It's possible that you have entered in at some point in your life into seeking other spiritual ways or just have had a pride about spiritual things and demons have come in and and, and tried to trap you in that way. It's time to get free. You can be free. The word, I was asking for prayer for you all this uh, this week and I I sent out a text to some some folks and here is one word I want to make sure you hear and it should be up on the screen. You don't have to play the hand that the enemy gave you anymore. The Lord has set you free. He loves you very much. Friends, you don't have to play the hand the enemy gave you anymore. You can be free. He loves you that much. No matter what hand you've been dealt, whether it was was a hand that you got yourself or a hand that was given to you by somebody else, a curse or a curse on your own self, you can be free. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to announce to you today that if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. Even David Berkowitz, the son of Sam, has been following Jesus for the last 25 years in jail. He was forgiven and set free. You can be free too. 
I'm going to ask for the prayer teams to come now and just stand in front and just be ready to receive people as the worship team begins. This is a time to receive prayer. There's no special words. There's no pointing out if people need to surrender. This is just there are prayer teams here up in front for you. Would you all come from the corner and stand up front with me, please? And if you know that these verses and this sermon was for you, and you're done with the hand that Satan has dealt you, I just want you to come up and get prayer. Just come up. Just be open. If you're tired of going some way down the field and then just being pushed back because there's some part of your life that's still trapped, come forward and receive prayer this morning. I'm going to let the worship team continue to play. I know that some of you need to get kids and then we'll have tables set up in the back. But would you receive this blessing as you do come forward and as you do go today to see a table and see leaders? I bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The Lord has set you free. He loves you very much. Go and tell the world for what he's done for you. Amen.